Howdy, folks. Happy Friday. Uh, it's actually dry in Buffalo after he got soaked the last couple days. Uh, we have Kevin Allen with us, uh, but Russ will start start us off with the pre-show. Go ahead. Russ. Yeah, with, with sports starting up, an interesting thing has – a dilemma has come across the uh, – at least my my desk. And it started on I, – I, I thought about this about a month ago, and then I heard about it on Philly Radio as well, and, and I'm sure other places, so I'll bring it to you guys. I've gone to 32 consecutive Mets opening days. Now opening day will be next Friday. Mm -hmm. And I tweeted out and said, Hey, am I missing an opening day here? Does it count? And so far, like 59% said, no, like I, you know, I feel so conflicted, even though I know it's for the best yeah. not being there. I heard on Philly radio, like there was an Eagles fan that had been the 59 consecutive openers. And so, you know, how do you guys feel? Kevin, you probably have a streak going with the lions. Yeah, no, that's interesting. Um, yeah, I, I would. I think it doesn't count. Like, if you can't, if you're unable to, not allowed in, then I guess I guess you just phrase it that way. Yeah. You know, I've uh, you know gone to twenty some season openers um, that fans were at, or you know they, that either fans or reporters were allowed to attend. Uh, but yeah, that's yeah. There, there's a lot of streaks on the line. Uh, you know, to, to, to say the least. The other thing about those, uh, you know, a lot of people bought tickets like the opening day. Uh, I know I did uh, for the for the Tigers. I was just going to go as a fan, and mm -hmm. I, I've not received any information about those tickets because you know I'm not a season ticket holder for the Tigers or anything like that. And like nobody has said, hey, we've we've got your money. Now I haven't pursued it either. But, you know, I've no, not you, seen anything about you, it or anything. I can tell you why. Unless you were on the MLB app, you were supposed to get an email from the team, but maybe teams were only using it through the app, so they didn't do it. The Phillies were good. The Phillies had sent something to me because I had like three or four games bought. But the problem was the first go-round, it was impossible to get that money back. Now, after more games got canceled, the Phillies resent that thing around, and I was able to opt out. But – yeah, that's if that's the case around the league, which I guess it probably is. It depends on the organization. And Kev, I guess the Tigers need your money more than you do. I wonder <laughs> if they're just counting us, forgetting that we had tickets. So. <laughs> well, I, like, I, I I am on the MLB app, and as Russ knows, and we talked about this, uh, I have the MLB uh, at bat. A, a radio package so I can listen to John Sterling for those many Yankee afternoon games, which I can't get on the local radio. Uh, they charge you $19.99 a year, and it rolls over, and every year you get charged just before the beginning of the season. Well, they charged me the $19.99 after, after they shut down things, and I'm not getting the promised 162 games. I'm getting 60. So I should be getting a refund of like 9.99 and I have yet to get it. So if mm. I think they're holding my money hostage, just like they're holding yours hostage, Kev. Yeah. 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 I think, we're, and I'm, I'm willing to bet we're not the only two people in America. No, no. You, know, you know what the other conundrum is, Kev? Now I didn't know that people still hadn't gotten money refunded, but just imagine they started, advertising hey buy your tickets for 2021 i want to know one person in the world that has the confidence in major league baseball right now to start buying up tickets for 2021 because i don't <laughs> yeah uh, yeah i mean uh I'd, I'd be willing to bet that um it, it, that it'll be in the next season before we have fans like i'm not so sure we'll have them at the start of um, you yeah. know, certainly we won't have them for the NHL. We're not going to have fans in December. Uh, at least well, I don't like them. Well, the, I, I told Russ this last night, and I couldn't believe that, uh, you know, because MLB, you know, at least you can say with hockey and to a lesser extent with the NBA, there's a certainty regarding, you know, there's the bubble for the NBA and they're the hub cities for the NHL. I'm uh, listening to a radio show out of New York, yesterday and the report came out that the Washington Nationals this is a week before the beginning of the season they don't know whether they're going to be able to play games in Nationals Park in DC then they're looking at alternate uh, locations in Fredericksburg Virginia there was, there was an update with that though Mike oh. Ken, Ken Rosenthal said they did get approval in oh. DC to play okay. that, that was I think it was earlier this morning uh, okay that, that, that well, I, I missed that 
I missed that, but it was that was along the lines, and a lot of people in Buffalo are excited about this. That's along the lines of what's going on with the Blue Jays because there still hasn't been any change in terms of the Blue Jays being able to play. They can play at Rogers Center, but the, the teams that come in, right now they don't have a waiver like NHL teams did for the 14-day quarantine, so – how can they play? Te- how can they play teams if they're not allowed to? Right. Is there going to be a season without the Blue Jays? Because I thought about that. No. Like I thought there's a there, no. I mean, are they going to let them cross the border and play somewhere else? No, are that's they- what I'm saying. Buffalo, they would play. No, will state. they? Are they allowed to do it though? They're allowed to come to the, come to the U.S. without a 14 day quarantine. Sure. Okay. Yeah, so they better get to it because otherwise, opening day is next week. Like, I don't know when their opening day would be, but. They better make some arrangements quick if they want to actually have home games. Right. I mean, it's cha- it's chaotic. It's potentially chaotic. So yeah, and the NFL is chaotic too. It's it seems to be getting worse by the day because now they're not even talking, and players are starting to voice their displeasure just about player safety. Like, and that you know what's funny is about the NFL. And we talked about it a little yesterday, but Kev, we'll get your opinion. Football players seem to be of, of most of the sports. Football and hockey seem to put their bodies on the line the most. They're trained the most to just ignore almost all health considerations to play. But this time, it's not exactly the case. And football players have um, – they can go until August 1st to opt out. And right now, like rookies were supposed to report this weekend. They're not. And there is no plan in place. Like what do you think is going to happen with the NFL? Do you think they'll have a fair amount of opt-out players? I do for sure. I mean, like there's no sport that, um, uh, you know, the environment makes it so dangerous for the participants. Like, yeah. uh, you know, and, it, you know, in addition to everything else, the contact, the number of people who are in each dressing room, you know, you also add in the added element of cuts and abrasions. You know, right. you, you have that more than in any other sport. And, um, geez, man, I, I, it's, it just, I just can't even fathom that they're going to be able to get through an NFL season. But, uh, you know, I, I guess we just don't know enough about the virus and how it behaves to, to know for sure. But it sure seems that's the most da- dangerous sport, in my opinion. Yeah, and we, have, we have been joined by X Chair, as you can see. Yeah, I can do that. That reminds me of remember during the last lockout that the. The podium became had its own Twitter feed. Yes. I do remember podium. That. Yes, yeah. the, yeah. podium. And the, po- the podium was was, was quite hilarious. I, I yeah. liked it. I yeah. did. Yeah. I missed the podium actually. I thought he was fairly wooden. Oh. <sighs> Sorry, guys. I missed the podium more than really, that. I thought he was composite. <laughs> <laughs> Russ, Russ, did you want to mention something? You're talking about me? No, no, no. your chair. I did no. say I missed the podium more than you, but otherwise, no. <laughs> Russ, did you want to mention something about Tiger Woods? Yeah, well, I'll mention this. I know there's a lot of Tiger Woods fans out there, and I'm of the – I had this thing with my dad. My dad loves watching golf, and I told my dad five years ago that Tiger Woods would never break Jack Nicklaus's record, and maybe it was even longer than that now. And he goes, why? Why would you say that? I said, because I just listened to an interview with Jack Nicklaus, and he talked about all the – it was actually like 10 years ago. Jack talked about all the things that happened to him in his life that made it very difficult to win all those games, meaning having kids, being married, all those kinds of things. And I said, Dad, I just think with Tiger Woods, and this is before he started to break down physically, that he's going to have a hard time with a lot of things. I don't think he's going to do it. And my dad and I, we didn't make a monetary bet, but my dad wasn't with me on that. And I think we're at the point now with, with Tiger Woods where they desperately need him for television, and he's on the verge of being cut actually not even making it on television, depending on, I guess, how he does in this round. And that could be disastrous for, for ESPN. I know everybody loves this other guy who's like 250 pounds and slamming the ball, but they still would rather watch Tiger Woods. Yeah, he's a, he's like a 250-pound linebacker-looking guy, and he has the longest drives right now. And I this was John, John, John Daly? I, thought, I, was no. first, I thought Daly, and then you said this linebacker like, size. This is a guy that – You're going to say Daly, that's lineman size. Yes, he's much in the mold of John Daly, and, and golf fans have caught on to him. But, yeah, I think it could be disastrous if Tiger Woods doesn't make – if he doesn't make the cut at all. I, I, I he played pretty well yesterday. Did he just have a poor morning or? Yeah, something happened where they said it just wasn't good enough. And 
even though he did good enough yesterday, he must have had a round this morning that wasn't. Let's see. It doesn't say right now. There, nobody's going to say he's out of it until he is. So who knows? Yeah, yeah there's. Well, go ahead. But go ahead, Kev. He's three oh, over, Kev. Right now, he's three over. So that's a problem. Yeah, I see. Okay, yeah. Um, yeah, there's no sport uh, quite dependent upon you know one player the way that uh, golf is. Um, it is incredible because it you is. know when he when he's on and playing well, it's fun to watch. And when he's not, the ratings just plummet. It's, Wasn't it just uh, kind of like you know Gretzky was in the day? You know, like you know, basically you know. The yeah, I, I, I think it's even. I think it's more. Yeah, before Tiger Woods, golf was still very successful on television, right? I mean, it really was. Yeah, not like that. I, I, I think he is the, and I think players even know that. I mean, you'd hear a lot of the veterans that, you know, understand that, you know, I mean, they get irritated that everyone wants to, like I watched it yesterday and, you know, they, they, we got Tiger Woods every hole. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. So, um, yeah. and, and and we should. I mean, everybody's interested in Tiger Woods, and and, and in positively and negatively, the, the, they'll they'll watch to root for him to win, and then there's a sizable portion that, that includes me that roots to make sure that he doesn't win. I just I'm not a, I'm not a fan. is that the thing? I, I'm curious about that because that's interesting to me. Like, there's is it you know when he when I when he first came on, I would never watch golf. And I would compare you know watching golf to like the worst possible thing I could watch on television. Mm -hmm. um, like baseball yeah. for you then? No, 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 no. It was, it, and we're not. We're 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 into like you know days of our lives realms. Oh, know? okay. We're not in just. We're out of this. I interviewed yet. someone from days of our lives the other day. I'll shoot you the interview. I, I, you know, I'm sure he's he or she. 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 He's she's a brilliant person. But the idea here is that you know, to me, that the, this is so boring. But yet, I watched golf with Tiger Woods because of his greatness. <laughs> because he was like because of his ability to come back. Because he made golf yeah. exciting. Because he reacted to certain things. Um, but now that he doesn't do that, um, are people really just watching because they're because of his polarization or no, I'm a fan of I'm a fan of uh well, first of all, I like Phil Mickelson. And when it comes and when it comes down to Tiger oh, versus the field, I root for the field. Okay. Uh, I, I don't like no, Tiger. I, I, so Mike continues his trend of of, of I, I had no knowledge of Mike's interest <laughs> in golf or knowledge, but I would have bet any money. That he hated Tiger Woods. Mike, if you were in if you were in Israel during Jesus's time, you would have been the guy been like, "No, that guy's wrong. Everything's wrong." I remember the Pontius Pilate fan club. You would have been. You would have been all yeah, over that. You would have yeah. been like, "Yeah," because yeah. everybody, everybody's following him around. Oh, Herod, go! Yeah, ever, ever since I heard you just talk about uh, Wayne Gretzky, like, I, like I've never met <laughs> anybody. Yeah, he, you know, he's a hard to hate. <laughs> he really is. It's a really hard guy to hate. You know, I mean, if you're in Pittsburgh and you were a Mario guy, like I, I really see that. But you're, you, you know, you, you don't have that bias. See, the problem know? is, like, I had no problem with Mario. I, I respect. I, I, I liked Mario as a player. Yeah, but I just didn't like. I just didn't like the. You know, I, I, let's. I've never seen Mario like was better than Wayne. People didn't dislike Gretz. Even if you're in Pittsburgh, and you think Mario's better than Wayne. You still don't. Gretz doesn't give anything to dislike about. No, him. there's nothing. nothing. No, and I grew up yeah, a Flyers fan. He sold two Stanley Cups from two Stanley Cups, right? As a young Flyer fan, I have every reason to hate Gretzky. I didn't then, and I don't now. No, and it, you want to? I mean, like, it's even hard. I mean, I mean, Flyers fans hate Crosby. It's even hard to hate Crosby. Like, I think. I mean, I think. Yeah, I think it is. Mike, I have a, a scarred psyche. But Mike, Mike, you do pet puppies, though, right? I mean, I've never seen it, but. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised you like Coca-Cola as much as you did, Mike, because that's like, you know, like anything that's like the number one thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, How did you like feel about so Michael Jordan and, and LeBron? I, 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 lo I love Michael Jordan. Interesting. Yeah. Le LeBron too, then? No, I don't no. like LeBron. He's <laughs> not like LeBron. <laughs> like LeBron. Why, okay. why, why, Mike? We're back on track. We're back, back on track. On track. <laughs> if, well, guys, um, push your push your questions to for Mike's psychological analysis. <laughs> um, at Eklund, just put them up there at Eklund, and I will ask you deep inside the head that is Mike Algello. Beyond the gray shirt to be the documentary. <laughs> black today, black.
Black. Okay. All right. Let's start. Should we? Yes. It's the 17th, right? That's correct. You tell us. Right. It's Friday. You're the host. God, what a week. It's been a long ass week. Um, all right. Here we go. Hello, Hockey World. It is Friday. The only reason I know that's because Kevin's here. It is Friday, July 17th, 2020. I'm Michael Agello, and I am not responsible for the uh, bad construction of the arena in Edmonton. <laughs> I'm Anthony Magioni with a lot less odds than Michael Agello. <laughs> Russ Cohen from Sportsology. Kevin Allen. And that is Jan, not pictured. I'm Jan. <laughs> <laughs> We're watching Hockey Buzzcast on HockeyBuzz.com. This is the podcast that comes to you every Monday through Friday. It's not a hatred for Mike, Nathan. He's in the chat room. It's not sure. a hatred for Mike. It's not a hatred for Mike. It's a fascination. Yes. <laughs> Morbid curiosity. I was, psych minor. I was a journalism major, but a psych minor. So to me, I'm trying to figure out the exact, you know, like, you know, the most popular things of all time are what Mike seems to take his aim at. But yet, the ironic thing about Mike is he's a Yankees fan, which just is baffling to me, like beyond, because yeah, that's the most that popular baseball fit. people all time. That, that, that doesn't fit. You should hate the Yankees. Yeah, well, no, no. I, okay, I'll just I'll be brief. Basketball. <laughs> I'm a Celtics fan. Hockey, I'm a Leafs fan. And okay, you can say they haven't won a cup since 67, but they had won the second most in the history of the NHL. Baseball, I'm a Yankees fan. Football, okay, there's the exception. I'm a Bills fan. They haven't won anything since the AFL. So there you go. Bills fan and Leaf fans are kind of they're kind of they're not really the exception. You can actually draw strong parallels to each of them. Um, but yeah. But were you a Buffalo Braves fan? No, I was a Celt I was a Celtic fan. So you had a hometown team and you didn't even like them. Were you they ever lost. a Sabres fan, Mike? Was there a moment when you were a Sabres fan and then you're like, no? Yes, when I was young and stupid. Well, of course. I mean, you grew up in the town. You're going to be a Sabres fan. But what was the moment? What was I the was... defining moment that that changed? Was it like when the bat was knocked down in the no, arena? No, 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 no. <laughs> when I was a kid, I was a Leaf fan and a Sabre fan. I liked okay. Gilbert Perot. Um, no, the downfall of my Sabres fandom was Scotty Bowman coming and destroying the Sabres in the early 80s. Um, when he came in and he – Tore apart the the French Connection, and uh, you know he made one uh, one Stanley Cup semifinal, and then started to disassemble the older team, and you know bring in his players like Housley and Anderchuk, and they never had the success. And the only place that Scotty Bowman never won was in Buffalo. So, your your yeah. fault, Scotty. Do you hate Scotty wow. too? No, I don't hate him. Nice Scotty. He's a nice guy. I've met but him. But he doesn't like Buffalo with Scotty. No, I, I, no, they. I had to make a choice at a certain age mm -hmm. and I went with the Leafs and left the Sabres behind. Was this like a multiple test, like get out of number two test type, get out of number two pencil type thing you had, you had to like, you had to like <laughs> Sabres or Leafs, you know, can we, can we move on to the show? Can we talk? Okay. About yeah. Let's get on. It's turning, into Michael on the, it's turning into Michael on the couch. This will be an <laughs> podcast. Mike. I apologize. We'll do another podcast. There you go. Behind the gray. All right, here we go. Um, <laughs> I want to start today with a question to Kevin because the um, yesterday I got a lot of heat and I, it, it, online on Twitter in my emails just blowing up about my opinion and all of you guys of course just laughed and mocked me as well and um, I'm not going to say that Kevin won't do the same because it's possible but I have a feeling you might at least understand what I'm saying and that is that I felt that the three nominees for the award that we call the Lady Bing, um, are all not playing their game if they are Lady Bing candidates. And that is my, that's my theory on the Lady Bing. And it, so we have like, you know, that, that they are not doing enough for themselves. Like they are not driving to the net enough. They are not getting into the corners enough. They're not making themselves a feared presence on the ice enough. In Nathan McKinnon, Austin Matthews and Ryan O'Reilly, by taking so few penalties, they're leaving something out there that they shouldn't be. That's my theory, Kevin, um, your thoughts. I, you know, I just don't think they're connected. Um, okay. No, I, I and I, I, it does bother me, even though I'm guilty of it as well, mm -hmm. that we look at that award at, strictly on the basis of penalty minutes, um, because it really should just be right. your behavior in general of, uh, you know, good sportsmanship and all that kind of stuff. But we tend to say, okay, who had less than 10 penalty minutes? You know, uh, and I know guys that do that. They go through the yeah. final statistics at the end and yeah. just look for the guys with the low penalty minute totals and then set them aside and then pick from that group. Right. Um, but I, I, I don't think just because you don't have a lot of penalty minutes, you're not playing an aggressive game. Like Nick Lidstrom, 
I thought should have won the lady being multiple times. Yeah. Um, he always had a low, and I don't think anybody would have ever suggested that uh, Nick Lidstrom left anything in the dressing room, even though he had a low penalty minute total. And, you know, John Bellavoe had a lot of penalty yeah. minutes early in his career and then ended up with no penalty minutes. And I don't think anybody would have said, boy, you know, Bellavoe, when his penalty minutes went down, it, it was pretty clear he wasn't given uh, all that he has. So I'm not so sure they're, they're connected. I, I think sometimes you could make that case. I think there are players who you can tell that they're not, you know, they, you know, they've lost uh, kind of the grittiness because, and you see it with uh, um, tough, tough guys in the past who, who had some offensive success, and then all of a sudden their their penalty minutes start to fall, and then the first thing the coach says is, you know, you're not playing at the same level. We need that intensity. So I think sometimes there can be a connection to that. But right. with the guys you mentioned, I I don't think like their coaches would say, um, you know, look, uh, uh, you know, when it, with the, with your low penalty minutes, that tells me you, you're not involved enough. But Ken, I, we're all fierce competitors. Let me finish one thought, Russ, and then yes. Uh, these are fierce competitors, these three guys, all three of them. There's no question yeah. that the competitive nature in all three of them is up there, right? They are not. And, um, and you know, I don't see any of them being thrilled about winning this award. Like, I think to them – I think the think the way they each of them each of them is, is like, well, yeah, I know we don't take a lot of penalty minutes, I get a lot of points, but you know, and I, and I also want to say, like, my wife was like, my wife would you know cover follows hockey as much as she have to being in this house for a while, you know, um, but she's like, why is it called the Lady Award, you know? And it's like, and I know, I know, honestly, of course, you know, that's I know the history of Lady Bang and all that, but it is kind of odd still, and I do think that from an external yeah. point of view, that we're saying the most gentlemanly award or whatever is called the Lady Bang Award. Um, you know, yeah. I, do you think they're Kevin that they, they would have it? Like, you know, I don't see like them being like I see them being mocked on the ice. Like I, I mentioned this, I said I see like I could see I could hear somebody yelling, "Oh, Lady Bing candidate, huh?" You know, like to, to each of them as they yeah. go. Oh, I, I I think that stuff does happen for sure. Um, and you remember the famous quote by um, you know uh, Brown, the the t Flyers uh, tough guy, who said, "I wouldn't want to win that unless it was called the Man Bing Award." <laughs> right. <laughs> Right, yeah. which is ridiculous, uh, but you know, that, no, that eighty-eight probably when the comment was made. But Chandler. of course, yeah. wrong in every which way. But there's still a lot, a lot of people. But, out but there. Kev, I want to really bring you into this conversation because the part that Eck is not telling you yes. is that he said, much like Chris Pronger, he would like to see Austin Matthews get into a fight once in a while. Yeah, I don't. I don't need to see Austin Matthews fighting. Yeah, when he says that. But yeah. and, and Sheldon Keith said yesterday in response to you know Austin being nominated was that he he, he showed he showed you know incredible self control because he faces number one checkers constantly. He gets abused at times. You know he's a big kid, but he doesn't really throw his weight around. I, you know, I, honestly, my only problem with the lady being, and I said this yesterday, is, Kevin, it's turned into the consolation prize for not getting nominated for the heart. And that's basically what it is. It, you know, now, if, if somebody has 90 or 100 penalty minutes, then they're not going to be nominated for the lady being. But O'Reilly had 12, McKinnon had 10, and Matthews had 8. So it's somebody yeah. who scored a ton of points and didn't have a lot of penalty minutes. Well, yeah, uh, the, the lady being – um, you know, like I said, we, we haven't really approached that the right way as right. a group in a long time. Um, and again, it's way too much emphasis on penalty minutes and not as much about, you know, you know the way you uh, behave on the ice and the way you conduct yourself right. and the respect that people had around the league. Like I, you know, Timo Solani uh, is an example of a guy that I think, yeah. you know, could have been a candidate for, uh, the lady Bing, even in years when that that warrior mentality, the the guy that you know spit out some teeth at the Olympics and then went out and won a big game, right. like that that guy was still a, you know a gentleman at all times. Right. You know he played in a very respectful manner, and you know that's the way we should be looking at it. But I I don't know. I just don't see uh, you know a connection uh, other than I think occasionally. It might happen, but not as a general rule. I wouldn't so like, say. Like, like you're, it's a great example. Anaheim in 2007-08, Lady, um, Lady Bing, <laughs> uh, Timo Solani had uh, in 2006-07 had 82 penalty minutes. You know, for the for them. Yeah. Um, but I would never call him a dirty player. 
But I would say, well, no, and, and I would, I would, I, I, to me, if we were looking at this the right way, he could have still been a lady B. Yeah, yeah, and I see. To me, the thing that really bothers me, and, and no, I didn't say he should fight all the time. I just said I didn't say all the time. No, I said what he. What, I said I, I brought up a Chris Pronger incident where Chris Pronger said, you know, the reason I take, take suspensions, and he said it's kind of off the record, is that so people have their heads up when they're skating through the zone and know I'm there, and that helps me in the future. And I totally understood. I totally get that. And to me, that you know, creating space for yourself. If you're a guy like Ryan O'Reilly, Nathan McKinnon. You know, I mean, what? Look at Sidney Crosby. What Sidney Crosby does, I think, creates space for himself because he definitely will take a few penalties here and there. He will uh, not. Wait, wait. He he still gets the crap beat out of him. So I don't think he's getting. No, he gets the crap beat out of him. He I just deals with it differently. I think that you're missing the point. Matthews isn't going to carve out more space by acting and retaliating. It's not going to make. I'm talking about retaliations. I'm talking about like going in there physically and making your presence known, which sometimes will result in probably a bad call, but a call. You know, I, and when we sit there and we talk about players. Don't tell me in the past that we haven't sat there and said he's got 25 points and he also has 65 penalty minutes. Yeah. He's like seriously, he's a, he's a good play, like he's a good player. We we brought that up because of that. that that's something that we do. We, we include the penalty minutes in their assessment. The last the, the, the last thing the Maple Leafs want is for a player who two of the last three seasons has missed significant time with shoulder injuries to, is to go in the corner and slam people. He's a skilled player. He's a goal scorer. He's one of their most valuable players. Yeah, some uh, Kyle Clifford can throw the elbows. They don't need Austin Matthews to do it. Well, yeah. I mean, do, do you think Matthews going ice and going? Let's see. I only have eight penalty minutes, and if I get two more, I'm going to lose the lady thing. No, he's playing. No, the I, game don't. And I don't, and I don't, and I don't at all. But it, I think I think that he is. Uh, no, I don't think that at all. But I also think that he's also, first of all, Austin Matthews is a better defensive player than than a lot of people. So maybe he should be grabbed. Put should be, if if there are situations where a good penalty can be taken, right? Um, actually, two to three years ago, Eck. Crosby did make that joke because against Philly, I think he had like six penalty minutes, and I think he said, "Yeah, now I'm probably out of the running for the yeah. late thing." He was yeah. probably proud to say it. He's probably proud to say it. I hate to say that. I remember like, that one. Yeah, Pavel Datsuk uh, got on in a fight uh, once, and I believe it was Kenny <laughs> Daniels said on television, "Well, there goes his lady B." <laughs> you know, like like there, you know, we do tend to tie it up uh, in penalty minutes. But the point I was going to make is mm -hmm. I think you're right. We do celebrate those guys who get penalty minutes. I mean, even when you play fantasy hockey, yeah. uh, penalty minutes are a positive, not, not a negative. You mm -hmm. you need to get guys that can generate penalty minutes. We see them as a plus. And for certain players, that's certainly true. Uh, you know, if you're a guy who um, your team is counting on playing on the edge, and you don't get those minutes, then your coach would say, you know, you know, if suddenly uh, I'm trying to think of a good example here, you know, if Brad Marshan, um, right. you, know, you know, ended up with eight penalty minutes one year. I, I think they might call him into the office yeah, and you're say, not, you're not playing your game. You're not playing your game. Yeah. Right. That's and what I it think that's true for certain players, but those three guys you mentioned, nobody sees um, ultra aggressiveness as part of their game. Like they don't need that. In fact, I, I would say it would be a detriment because they wouldn't want them taking penalties. They don't want them, you know, off the ice. They wouldn't want to see them, you know, get uh, fights or, um, you know, misconducts and so forth. So, I, yeah, I don't know. It, yeah. I, I don't know the, your argument. Uh, it's, it's hard to support it. No, I get it. But I'm just I, – I think, I think there's an element to it out there is what I'm trying to get. And I think that that does exist. And I think they will be not nice. No one else. I, I, I think it used to be that way. I could, and like, uh, Kev, I used the example yesterday because I I know about Gilbert Perro's career in Buffalo because I've lived here all my life. He had maybe three fights in his career, and two of them were against what you would consider heavyweights: Dan Maloney when he was with Detroit, and and Brian Watson when I think when he was with Pittsburgh, and he beat both of them because he was a really really strong player. But obviously, Perro was a skill guy. And he didn't need to. He didn't need to do that, but he did it, and he and he showed that he could do it. And then he used basically his speed and his uh, maneuverability as his intimidation and his his deterrence for the rest of his career. Now, star players don't have to do that. They don't have to drop the gloves just to prove. But there's all different kinds of penalties, Mike. I'm not just talking about dropping the gloves. I'm talking. There's all different kinds of penalties here. You know, I'm talking about like Matthews. Like we talk about the Toronto being a bad defensive team. You know, and. I'm talking about you know slowing up a guy, which sometimes will result in that guy diving, which sometimes will result in a penalty. But that, but that's a necessary play in the game of hockey to slow him up a little bit. So if I, you're I, not, 
if you're to me, if you're not taking any penalty minutes, you're not really playing the game. If you're getting as many minutes as these three guys get, and you're I, on the ice as often, there as are guys that don't get penalty minutes. Somebody, I mean, yes, with Valerie Nishushkin, with him having zero penalty minutes, I'll be right. on your side. But that is a rarity in the sport. And Only I don't think I don't think that extreme that, that yeah. Austin Matthews' inability or or lack of willingness to take a penalty is the reason for the Leafs' bad defensive situations. It's other forwards and it's some of their defensemen. I mean, everybody knows that. Eklund, here's what I'll give you, though. I'll yeah. give you that it's the least desirable uh, trophy to win. Like, <laughs> I don't think people get you know overly excited about yeah. winning Lady Lady Bing. Although once Chris Letang, I believe, said that you know you never want to be nominated for the Masterton because it means you had some serious <laughs> disease. He's right. Really right. bad happened to you. Yeah, um, bad year. And, you know, in fact, that's a greater pet peeve of mine <laughs> than the late thing is the fact that yeah. you know the Master Ten, you know, should reward veterans for perseverance and being yeah. good guys. We talked and, about that. We did. It's the it's the disease of the uh, or the you know not not that the the people who overcome illness aren't deserving, but I, I wish we. You know, again, how could Chris Chelios go his whole career and not win the Masterton for perseverance? Yeah, yeah. you know, or, or or Nick Lidstrom or any of those guys that you know, you know, lasted twenty some years and were playing great at the end of their year. Yeah, uh, at yeah. the end of, end of their careers. But uh, yeah, I don't. You know, nobody. I no one says uh, you know my career was incomplete because I never won the Lady Bing or you know <laughs> if I'm listing my greatest accomplishment, I thought thought it was winning the Bing. You know, like yeah, nobody yeah. views it in that Should they way. change the name of this thing too? Well, I, I, yeah, I guess so. But you know, I'm not <laughs> bothered by it just because I like the, you know, the tradition of the name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm with you on that. When, but when, when we were kids, we used to we used to joke about it, laugh. Oh yeah, about of course. It. You know, you know the lady being, you know who, you know who wants to win the lady. And Bing. you know, hockey players are are kids. They're grown up kids, and they're doing that still. Right. right. Yeah. 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 For sure. And. uh um, you know, I think the guys, I think the guys who appreciate it are the guys that never won any awards. And, <laughs> right. And, right. You know, they get, they get that and they say, well, you know, I got something, you know, like when so. Matthews is nominated for the hall of fame, it'll be like, you know, we won't be like, yeah, former lady being winner, Austin Matthews is here to, no, I mean, that's not going to be, it'll be listed. It's not going to be in his speech though. I mean, it's not going to be, it's, it's, it's if, you know, if he's in the hall of fame, he's there, he's moment, won MVPs and stuff my, like that. The proudest moment of my NHL career was the year that I won the lady bang. I'm, I'm okay, sure Mike. I think you'll say that. Well, I'll tell you what. They yeah. could change it. They could change it to the Frank Boucher Award. I mean, he's won it the most, and he, he was a great all-around player. So if they want to yeah. like retool it, I'm all for that. Call, call it the John Rattel Award. I'll tell you, what I thought was John for a reason, right? Did Eiserman ever win the Lady Bing Award? I don't know. Not that I'm aware of. Because he's like to me, like he's like a kind of player that probably should have. Like he was. He was completely gentlemanly on the ice, completely yeah. like respected around the league. Didn't take it. He wasn't take. Didn't take cheap penalties at all. No, he hasn't. Yeah, but I don't think that he would have won it because you know there was invariably whenever you'd read a stories about the players that officials hate, Eiserman was always at the top. <laughs> yeah, you know? okay. Because he was, you know, that's what I I laugh when you know people say, well, that Crosby whines for calls and all that kind of nonsense. Uh, you know, the two greatest whiners I ever saw in my 35 years of covering the league were Wayne Gretzky and Steve Eisenman. <laughs> uh, I think those are pretty good players. And I yeah. appreciate uh, the fact that they always stood up and, you know, tried to get the next call. I mean, you know, that's just part of the game. I was always told is like they have the most things happening against them because they're always in the position where people have to take them down to make things happen. So, right. I mean, just, so. just to show you that it's not always about penalty minutes, I mean, Butch Goring won it one year. I mean, he clearly was not the cleanest, nicest hockey player we've ever seen. In that no, case, it feels I mean, like nice. Right? Penalty minutes he had that year, though. All right, Why don't you look, look it up? Yeah, look yeah. It up. we'll move on while we're, while we're looking at that. I'm sorry, but I apologize. Yeah, but, um, yeah we, should, we should talk about the Vesna quickly. I want to talk about the Vesna first, but I, before we get to that, I want to get to a rumor real fast because I just got this this morning and I wrote about it. Um, over the last couple of days, I've been trying to get the. The temperature of Vancouver on he had two minutes. He had two penalty minutes that year. All right. Well, he must have decided I was going to win the Lady Bing that year. Yeah. Um, all right. So, all right. So, I've been trying to get the te take the temperature on Vancouver on this Markstrom situation because it is a fascinating one. And he wasn't nominated for the Vesna today, which is some people thought he could be, and that that does help Vancouver probably out a lot that he wasn't oh, nominated. It helps on the pay scale. Yeah. Exactly. Um, but 
Um, I was trying to say, are they, you know, are they into him as I mean, he was the MVP this year, perhaps are they, but they also have a guy named Thatcher Demko coming up, right. Who is a serious prospect, right, Russ? I mean, he's 24. Oh, yeah, no, he's an excellent prospect. He, he's a 24 year old goalie. He's not young anymore. He's one of the best backups in the league right now. Right. Already. And, um, and will be the kind of goalie that does deserve a starting spot in the NHL at some point, I would think, mm -hmm. um, you know, and yet there they are sitting with Markstrom, who's had a great year in a contract year and a shortened year and all this stuff. And, and, and what are they going to do? Like, how, how are they going to handle this? Like if they give, if they give Markstrom six or six years or five years, what happens to Demko? And uh, I finally talked to somebody who said that he thought there was about a 10% chance that they would both be back in December. Um, meaning that one of them or the other would be gone like mm -hmm. Markstrom or Demko. And uh, I went around uh, trying to find teams that would be interested and a couple of teams I thought would be interested weren't like, I, you know, and then there was also a definite tendency in this situation. When I talked to the Vancouver guy, he says, but don't look around in the Western conference because we probably wouldn't move Demko to the Western conference if we were to trade him. And I said, yeah, that makes sense. Right. Um, so the three teams in the East like that, you know, are, are kind of obvious. I mean, they weren't, you know, this is not rocket science, but they're Toronto, Detroit, and uh, Buffalo, three teams that all had interest in Thatcher Demko, 24 year old guy who can grow with their team over the next several years. Well, I think the, the question I, I have is, do you sign Markstrom to a five-year, six-year deal or, and trade Demko, or you do you let Markstrom walk and keep Demko? I, I think you sign Markstrom and you trade Demko, but the 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 the, the, the clock here is expansion because if mm -hmm. you sign if you sign Markstrom, then you're leaving right. Demko unprotected. So you don't have to trade him at the beginning of the season. You have to trade him before the deadline, and obviously right. his value will be less because everybody is going to be you know up against that if they have two goaltenders. But that, and that's what Mike, it's a great point because that's why when I brought that up to the Vancouver guy, he said that's why I do believe that it would happen sooner than later. He said because I think we would trade Demko before the UFA period starts to a team, obviously, before they would go out and sign a UFA goalie. You know, like it's a tough thing though, because if they do that, you're now Marshall. weakening your, your goalie tandem yep. just to get an asset for a guy when you still will get assets for him. But again, like I think you have to hold on to him and right through the negotiations because if the negotiations break right. down with Markstrom, right. then you, you're, you're gonna lose them. And then you well, yeah. not either. Let me just say this and yeah. leads into what Kevin what, yeah. what, Buffalo makes a ton of sense because they have Uka Pekalukanen who is exempt from the from the expansion draft and probably needs at least one and maybe two years in the AHL. Right. And the goalies Hutton's up after this year, and they and I, I believe Olmark is an RFA. So maybe you expose Olmark if you if you trade for Demko. Detroit, Kev. Their goaltending situation, other than Bernier, is practically barren, so it would make a lot of sense for them. Yeah, it, it would. Uh, I, just a couple of comments. Mm -hmm. and, and number one is I think they would trade. If they're going to trade uh, Demko, it would be later rather than sooner, just for the reasons yeah. that Russ said. Yeah. Um, but uh, the other thing, too, is uh, I have heard uh, from guys who follow uh, what's happening in Vancouver pretty closely – um, that that even though they still view him as a guy that could be their future goalie, they seem unsure whether he's ready now. Yeah, um, you know, like they're, they're you know they had so much confidence in Markstrom this year, and he really is a primary reason why they had greater success than anyone thought was possible. Right, and I think they're a little leery of just handing over the keys to the to the the family vehicle to uh, to to Demko right now. Yeah. So. I, I think they're going to make every effort to sign him just for that reason. It's not that they're down on, on Demko. They just uh, they thought he would be farther ahead than I think he he is. Well, I, so. well, I, you know, somebody yeah, said with chat room like he didn't play well. He was thirteen and ten. He had a nine oh five. It's not his best year. I'll back out. But the defense was awful. Yeah, and I mean, but this is a this is a this is not an enviable spot to be in. Um, for Vancouver, in some ways, in some ways, you're like, oh, you got two great options here, both either to work right. But well, really they're in this, they're in the same spot that Pittsburgh's in. We've been talking about that for a while. Well, to a degree, but Murray is like way more proven than Markstrom. Okay, so I mean, to that, that I mean, Markstrom had a good year this year, and and but Murray's won Stanley Cups. You know, that's like to me. Right. But but what I'm what I'm talking about, Eck, is you've got two RFA goalies right now. You're gonna have to make a decision: one, either sign Jari and trade Murray, or sign re-sign Murray and trade Jari, because you're gonna yeah. lose one of them. True. And True. you know, and that's the thing: this market is not only flooded with three or four quality UFA free agent goaltenders. 
it's flooded with the fact that other teams are going to have to dump or trade the second goaltender, second goaltenders that they're potentially going to lose to Seattle for nothing. And that's, that's yeah. a, that's a big factor for these teams. I mean, yeah, I, same I, thing that happened with Vegas, right? And, and we right. saw, we saw certain True. goalies we thought would move, didn't actually end up going places because they ended up getting their number one in flurry. Seattle may identify who they want and it could be Murray potentially if they, or, or somebody of that ilk. And then the other guy gets basically left holding the bag. So I'm, I personally think it's going to be Jarry over Murray in Pittsburgh. Just, but I think a lot of it's going to depend on what happens as playoffs and who they roll with. Um, but we're, I think we're going to see guys who, similar to Vegas, guys who we expected to move, not end up going, and there'll be guys who are lesser known guys who end up moving because they end up getting some other pick or something else they select from their team rather than going with a netminder. And Kevin, Jim Jim Rutherford was on Toronto radio a couple days ago, and when he was asked about the goaltending situation about who Sullivan would start in the playoffs. He, he, he says, well, you know, Matt Murray won two Stanley Cups, so that doesn't mean we're not going to start Jari. I mean, he, he was completely noncommittal. So, yeah. I mean. Yeah, he, he was, but, I mean, don't we all feel that you're going to start Murray just for that I would think so. Of course they're starting Murray. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I but so. I, I would say this. The Red Wings, uh, I completely agree with what Mike said, that, um, you know, they don't have anybody yeah. uh, that's in that age grouping who they would see as a potential um you know, starting goalie up the road. I mean, there are some guys, but, you know, they have to really, really uh, exceed expectations that everybody has from now. Yeah. So the three goalies that I think they would look at would be, I think Jake Allen is would be in the mix. Yeah. Uh, I think uh, Jerry would be in the mix as well, because I, I think Pittsburgh will keep Murray. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, I think Demko. I think they would yeah. look at So Yeah. I would make some sense. I mean, now how, as far as, I mean, we know Vancouver might not be, it might be like wavering on Demko a little bit. And some of that I've also, you've also seen teams in this situation, Kevin, where they know they might lose a guy start to like act like, Oh, we're not sure he's ready yet. And da, 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 we might not be able to keep him, but yeah, but we, we heard this, you know, yeah. you know, during the season too. Okay, so yeah. I, I agree with you. I mean, it, it could be some of that, but there's um, a little bit of rationalization that goes on, but at the same time, um, you know how does how does USA Hockey view Demko as far as the future goes? Like he, I mean, he's he you know he's a San Diego kid. He's he's, he's played he's played in their he's he's yeah. played in international games. He just because he's from San Diego, he's he's been immersed in that system. He played. Um, I, I did a whole article a couple of years ago. Yeah, he's been up the ladder with USA Hockey. Do they do they view him as one of their you know future stars? I don't know about that. Like because I don't ever talk to anybody about that. Maybe Kevin has a feel. Yeah, they, the guy they really like for the future is, uh, and I'm drawing a complete blank, uh, Ross, help me out. The, John the, Gibson? I'm sorry? Gibson? Well, Gibson for sure, but the no, guy was drafted yeah. last year. Spencer oh, Knight. Oh, Spencer Knight, yeah. yeah Spencer, Knight is, the, Spencer okay. Knight is the the anointed one. Okay. Uh, that everybody uh, – And that's fair. You know, he, I mean, he really is. Right. But yeah. the question is going to be when, given the contract they signed Bobrovsky to. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, yeah. that's – that's true. I mean, there's a, there's someone they could trade. The one thing about the Red Wings too to keep in mind is they have a they have I think three second rounders and yeah. multiple third rounders. Yeah. Right. So they they have the kind of assets that can get you a prospect goal, a goalkeeper. And, and, and uh, let me let me let me shoot down the Toronto aspect of it because Toronto. I mean, Anderson's got one more year left on the contract. The only way that Toronto would trade for. Uh, Demko is if Anderson. It was clear that Anderson was going to go free agent, and that's not the indications right now. They like they like their backup goaltender in in Jack Campbell, and what they might do is to avoid the, having to protect two one, one, uh, two goal or not two goalies, but they losing one in expansion. They may wait until after July first to re-sign Anderson, so they only have to protect Campbell. So okay, but I, let's let's talk about that just for a half second. Yeah, yeah. So. If the Leafs lose in the first round yeah. here, thank you. What have they really done with Anderson? Like, I, I, I don't Seriously. know if they could just sign him out of default. Like, at that, what point do you? At what point do you give up on Anderson? At this right, time? right, but but, but you're you're not getting better if you go towards Demko. Why? Why would well, you? Nobody's say saying we're going. Nobody's saying it has to be Demko. It could be right. any one of these guys right. we're mentioning. That, that's why. That's why. I, yeah, it could be bad. It could be better if you're going to Demko. You don't know it's that. Un, you're making your goaltending situation even more uncertain by guy, going to a guy who hasn't been a number one starter. No, I I agree with that. But if you went with Jerry or someone like that, I mean, there's no, you know, 
there's no guarantee. I mean, again, if you don't get anywhere this year with Freddie Anderson, right. do I really want to sign him for another four years? I have to really think about that. I'm it not depends sure. On, it depends on what his price is. Oh, I don't know. I think it has to do more. See, I don't even care anymore what his price is. He's not winning me playoff games. At the end of the day, he's not winning enough playoff games. Do you think Do you yeah. think that the reason that they're losing playoff games is Freddie Anderson? Because I'll I say think, no freaking way. I, I, I would say there are certain games where he maybe doesn't bring his best. And I think if you go back and look at it, you will agree. I'll, I'll not just say that, but I'll also say that the, the reason they're not – qualifying higher in the in the regular season is because they can't play Anderson more two games in a row ever which is in it which you know is like is a fact, most number one goalies don't yeah. play back to back but some do in certain situations when you get later in the you when you get potentially yeah. later in the season you're going to see that but I think for, for most of the part in a regular in the regular season now back to back you really rarely see the number one starter going early on they're very much cognizant of the workload so they those goaltenders are they're at their they're at their peak and maximized in their performance. That's true. I mean, I get performance by that point. I guess the thing is this. The question is this. Sorry, the question is this here on the on on that Anderson situation. Then we'll move on from there. But it's like, okay, if you're in Toronto, you've got a good young team. Obviously, a team that's going to mature over the next five years. Everything's in place. Um, you want to you want to you're either going to go out and get a dump like a proven like Holtby type goalie, um, and just go for short term. Or you're going to go for a goalie that'll grow with you and turn into the star that you want when your team is there. Um, that to me is, and that to me is like that's more like a Demko or maybe a Jari. Although I'm high, I think I'm, I'd rather have Demko personally. Uh, and act, let, let me let me just say, say this: um, since he was since he was traded for by Toronto in 2016, so we're talking about three and three quarter seasons. Who mm -hmm. has started the most games in the NHL as a goaltender? Freddie yeah. Anderson. So yeah. it's not a wilting flower. It's no, but here's his number. Played. He's a 304 with a 911 save percentage. Like that doesn't make me feel great because nine, probably in the playoffs, 910 is probably the average. Right. So I, I mean, he has to give you more. At some point, this guy has to give but you more. Have have but we're getting to that late point of the season again. Going to Mike's point that you know the the workload on Anderson is a yes, lot. Yes, that's a fact. And Toronto well, does not really have has not. I mean, Mike Yule has tested this. Toronto hasn't really had a, other options in net in terms of well, guys that they feel that they could show sure they confidence. Garrett Sparks. Hey, Garrett so, Sparks. That was a short. That how short term was that? But as true as that may be, guess what? He doesn't have that excuse this year. No, yeah. let's, let's so, move on. Um, no, he doesn't do it this year. Let's throw it out Absolutely. the window. I go, go ahead, I, I'm, I'm with the Gretzky hater on this one. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 I don't think Frederick Anderson is the reason why that the Maple Leafs, and I, I would doubt that the Maple Leafs management sees him as their biggest problem. So. Oh, I don't think they see him as the biggest problem. Yeah, he's not the biggest problem. There's no way. But I do think yeah. it, I, do, I don't think he's also a, he's also part of this. I, I you know I, I think you can win with Frederick Anderson. I, I just think you got to put the you know put a proper defensive team in there, and it's and it's not just the defense too. You got to get yeah. everybody playing on the same. I mean, it's the same thing. Ed Belfort couldn't win the big game until he could, and then now he's in the Hall of Fame. You know. Okay. Okay. I mean, that, that, that we heard about Ed Bell for all those years in Chicago. Yeah, no, that's all true. I agree with that. It, it's it's goalies are weird that way for sure. Um, yeah. I, think he's, I think he's a great. I think he's a good goalie. I don't think he's a great goalie. I think Anderson's really good at certain kinds of saves. Um, very very good. Like one of the best in some certain kinds of saves. But then there's other situations where I'm not overly impressed with them. Um, I, you know, I, I think that that you know, let's move on to the Vezina because we have the Vezina stuff here. We've got three goalies now who are, who have been nominated for the Vezina. This year, um, Mike, why don't you give us the three from, um, the, from the newsroom, Mike? What are the three goalies that have been nominated? Three, the three nominees are Andre Vasilevsky, Tuka Rask, and Connor Hollebuck. And I think this is probably the, the award with the least amount of suspense because, I, like, I, I believe it's clear that, that Hollebuck should win. Um, but, I, you know, the, I'll let, let everybody else talk about that. Right. I mean, I'll make it easy. I, I think it's Hellebuck. He had a horrible defense in front of him, and at least defensively, and he was just unbelievable. His GSAA is off the charts. Like that's all I need to say. I mean, I, I agree with Anderson. I mean, we, we, with with Hellebuck. I mean, we talked a little bit about that. We could have argued that he'd be a he'd almost be a Hart Trophy candidate in certain years based upon how much he carried Winnipeg. So, I mean, to me, that I think it's almost a no brainer that it's it's Hellebuck and then everybody else. I'll I'll put it this way. I I. As much as I like Vasilevsky, I actually feel like 
Ben Bishop probably would have as much of a claim for that third spot as he. Yeah, would. I agree with you. Um, so I, I think, think so probably maybe should be, and I, and this is a, this is a person who loves watching Andre Vasilevsky in that. Yeah. Um, Rask, I think, has had a phenomenal season, but again, it, it is shaded with the fact that he has an excellent defensive team in front of him in right. Boston. So for me, considering the personnel in Winnipeg and what Hellebuck's been able to do, it's I think it's Hellebuck's trophy to lose. And and Kev, Brian Brian Burke used it almost almost as a pejorative that Rask was pretty much a tandem goalie with Halak, and he thought that that sort of undercut his credentials for being a Vesna nominee. Um, I mean, I, I don't like. I think that's the reality now is that most of these goalies are going to be one A, one B guys where the, where right. the one plays sixty to sixty five percent. The backups got to play, so you know, I, I don't yeah. think it's like pejorative. Kevin, yeah, like, well, I, I think Vasilevsky is the most uh, desired goalie in the league. Like, I think he's moved as the number one. Everybody looks at him as the guy you'd love to have. Yeah, but yeah. it's a, the award is about what they did for the season, and nobody did yeah. more than Hellebuck. Like, I mean, you've all said it, you know, they've had no defense whatsoever and they had a great offense and Hellebuck uh, kept them in game. So their offense could, uh, you know, score enough goals to, um, you know, make them uh, a credible hockey team when, I mean, their defense was as bad as it gets. Yeah. You know, I mean, when they, you know, when you look who they lost and everything else and you look at those names and you're going, how are they doing this? And well, they were doing it because of Hellebuck. Yeah, no, I mean, he's the most valuable goalie in the league this year. Now, whether or not that means Vesna or not, is because is, are we getting to the point? Where, are we getting to the point where this award is going to take on what every other award takes on in the NHL, which is that you know, like the, the coach award has to be the worst team, the best coach on the worst team, and the you know, it's a is this is this award? This award usually didn't follow that trend. This this award usually was the best goalie in the NHL. Um, well, yeah, I think. But I think Hellebuck well, is the best goalie in the yeah. NHL this year. I mean, the guy, the guy, but anyway, the guy who I thought would have been in the top three if he had stayed healthy was Darcy Kemper, given the numbers he was putting up in Arizona yeah, I think that's fair. and how good he was early in the year. But unfortunately, he got hurt, right? So, who, I mean, I guess I'll ask you the question. Who do you then consider the best goalie in the NHL that should be up for the award that isn't up for the award? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, I that is not for the word. No, I, I think I think I'm around with Kevin the Vasilevsky and Anthony Vasilevsky is the best goalie in the NHL right now. Like I think that's absolutely the case. Um, you know, Mark Andre Fleury is a is does a lot for his team as well. Um, this year, you know, was hurt a little bit more and stuff like that. But um, but Vasilevsky was wounded by the first two months of the season where they where, they, where Tampa Bay played average. And if Hollabuck had done that, Winnipeg would have been down with Anaheim, San Jose, and LA right. at the bottom of the West. Yeah, no, but Eklund, you're right on in saying that, you know, with awards, we, we sometimes uh, add an extra layer to it by yeah. looking for the underdog to promote. Mm -hmm. We all we always do that. Yeah. And, you know, in this case, it's not uh, the writers, it's the general managers. But, you know, someone met, you, met, you mentioned uh, Kemper. Um, I, I yeah. think people would have loved to have pushed him in there. Like if he could have stayed healthy. I think he would have been given a nod just because, you know, the Coyotes, he, you know, they uh, being able to lift that team up. I think there is something to that. Like it's, I think it's harder for a goalie on a good, good team sometimes. It is uh, to uh, to win the war. Just like you know, we don't put, you know, necessarily or very often the the coach of the team with 121 points. You know, right, right. We look for the team that that. The coach, you know, like this year, this Tortorella. Well, look at his injuries. You know, he had to overcome all those injuries, yeah. and you know, and, and this I, year, Boston did nominated for that. Tortorella you know. did a great job. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, it happens, but it it feels like a goalie has to like has to like enter another level. Like Marty Brodeur, yeah. Marty Brodeur was a would win this award when he was on a very good defensive team that was very good. You know, and but he was still yeah. win this award. Um, you know, so that's what's so, so weird about this award. Like to me, Halibut. While he had, a, and I'm, no one's disputing how his importance were this year, you know, just like no one's disputing Markstrom's importance to Vancouver, which is another guy I think should have been maybe thought about in this situation. But um, if you're going to go on, who was the most important goalie to their team this year? What about Bennington? Yeah. Yeah, right. No, no that's a great point. I mean, Bennington was really solid this year. And, you know, after a year, he could have not been solid, you know, after he had like the could have been the sophomore slump, he won, the, you know, Stanley Cup and everything like that. And his team is, an, a, you know, a Stanley Cup contender or you know one of the favorites yeah i mean bennington's a good one that's a good 
What did but did he suffer though because of how great he was in the playoffs the day before yeah. and and how good St. Louis is. I mean, and St. Louis had a slight dip at some point in time during the season, which probably took some of the luster away of the numbers that he had. Yeah. No, you're right, Dan. I agree. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that's the that's the case. So it's, it's I mean so you can say Carter Hart had the same impact on Philly, right? And he's a guy right. that you think down the road could think very well be a Vezina candidate based upon just how good he was. No, and at times Georgiev kept the Rangers going. You know, like there were points during the season when he was sure. like the reason that they were still alive. I mean, they might they goalie for the playoffs, and yet without Georgiev, the Rangers aren't in the playoffs, right? Right, right? but you can. But Cam Talbot did that for the Rangers, and he wasn't going to be a Vezina guy. He just kept their season alive. Right, right, or or you know. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot. There's a lot of so to me, like, but when you the Vezina should be as it's defined, right? We should go by the definition. It is the best goalie in the NHL, correct? Isn't that the definition? Isn't it pretty clear for that calendar year for this season? The best goalie in the NHL. Correct. Yeah. So well, I, it's I, Connor Hellebuck. It could be. I mean, it could be. But I'm like saying, if you were gonna, if 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 I made you draft a team right now and you had Vasilevsky, Hellebuck, Rask, and, that's different. Now yeah, you're that's, going that's, into that's, a different no, territory. You know, how about different year? But is this a is this a one off type thing? Is how about going to be a perennial Vezina? No, not what, but you're not measuring perennial career. It's for the no. calendar year. I that know. is the focus. No, yeah. I, know. I know. I mean, the, the the factor when you're saying if you're if you're starting a team, you're going to draft the best young goalie. I'd take Spencer right. Wright. I'd take Sam Sonoff. I you know. No, oh got, you, no, I'll change that, Mike. You're drafting a team that has to win next year. Okay, who is your goalie? Like that. Like if you have to win next season, who's your who's the goalie you take? For me, it's Vasilevsky, hands down. Right. That's the guy I take, you know, um, I think. And, and, you know, he's in this. He, and I think that the lightning in the beginning of the year was not really about I me. Mean, I don't I didn't watch enough early lightning to say it wasn't about. I know he wasn't playing great, but I don't think I think the no, whole he was, was he was not playing well. He was not very good at all the first okay. couple of months of the season. Yeah. And that could have been a hangover from last year's playoffs also. Yeah. And Mike talked about being overworked. Right. The big issue with Vasilevsky in the past has yeah, been the concern in terms of the workload, yeah. which is something they had to manage. And we talked about managing, like in the NBA, you manage workloads. NHL is the same thing for goalies also. You need to manage workloads to make sure guys have enough rest before they get to the postseason. I, I do want to point out, three years ago, Hellebuck was second in the Vezina when he had 44 wins and a right. 924. This year, he had 31 wins because that's the team, but he still had a 922. Like, he's been doing this for three or four years now. It's just yeah. not going to – It's he. no goalie keeps like a 925 every single year of their career. With a, with a with a defense anymore. With a defense whose right. top pairing was Josh Morrissey and Neil Pionk. Right. Now this right. is a good point. I mean, these are all good points. I just uh, I'm just curious what this award is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I get it. I also, from a health perspective, right, Russ, you would say in yes. terms of Hellebuck is a horse. I mean, he's yes. been able to handle it, whereas Vaz has had his injuries here and he there. Has. So I'm not saying that's necessarily anything where you parse between you mean, two even, of them. You take either of them. Yeah, even you have going to to get them. Sorry, even going back to when Hellebuck was second in the Vezina, he was 13th in the heart. Is that the year they yeah. carried him? He carried Winnipeg in the playoffs also? Yeah. Same season. So, I mean, when you look at the teams that took had the most shots against this year, you know, like if you want to see the teams that gave up the most shots, you know, like a, so that's something, I guess, you know, for a goalie that shows your defense isn't good. Um, you know, and not completely, obviously, because there's high, there's high level shots, but the, you know, the, you know, Chicago is number one, Ottawa is number two, the Rangers are number three, Detroit's number four, and all those teams you could say, okay, it makes sense, but the Rangers being number three, you know, but then Winnipeg's number five, um, you know, so, and the Vancouver's number six, Edmonton's number seven, so you get into those three teams, you know, and I've often said, you know, that, you know, there's two goalies in Edmonton, so there's not really like a, you can't really go either way, but. Uh, by the way, Kevin's power just went out, so. Oh, poor guy. Man, that sucks. Oh, it was um, a great way to start the weekend. We we should we should save uh, St. Louis for next month. Yeah, let's do that yeah. for next week for sure. But um, I think it's a you know it's a I mean fifth most shots against is definitely damn impressive. You know, um, especially because of oh, it's you a know. good conversation. I mean, I think some of the awards do need to be retooled. I do. I felt that for a while. Yeah. Yeah. No, there's no question. And Kevin pointed out exactly why too. Yeah, I mean, when Winnipeg's the fourth best save percentage in the league. As well, which is interesting. Um, and like to your point about, um, you know, about uh, Arizona, the third best save percentage in the league, which is kind of surprising, you know. And Bishop in Dallas, the second best save percentage in the league. Yeah, no, Bishop was great this That's, year. That was my point. I think Bishop. Yeah. It, Bishop has his. I, when I'm looking at the three candidates, yeah. And I, 
I, I cannot deny what Rask has done this season. Yeah, they're the number and one. Again, they're, 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 and, and Rask, we saw it here in Philadelphia. You know, when Rask is on his game, he's nigh impossible to beat. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yes. But the third candidate, I think, isn't up as much as I like Vaz. I think Bishop has much of a claim to that spot as he does. Yeah, it's true. That's true. Um, actually, the fourth spot was tied. So it goes Boston number one at with the save percentage of 921 for a team, which is really high. Um, Dallas number two, uh, 920 for a team. Arizona number three at 919. And then there are four teams at 913 Winnipeg, Chicago, Columbus, and Colorado. So, um, you know, it shows it's interesting, you know, there's just some good goalies going on there and some teams that, you know, like Chicago's goaltending, <laughs> Leonard was good for them, you know, like this is the reality, right? I mean, and, know, and Crawford had a good year too. Crawford um, had a good year too. Um, make Chicago really interesting. Chicago Edmonton, really interesting in that first. I do, I do want to yeah, bring up one Crawford, thing. Crawford. I think you would like this, you know, hockey reference is good about equating some players to other players, right? Based yeah. on their stats and numbers. Yeah. Yeah. And and Mike walked away, but he'll hopefully hear this. With Freddie Anderson, three of the five guys, now Tim Thomas, I throw him away because he's an anomaly. Ed Belfour is better. But yeah. Jonas Hiller and Evgeny Nabokov are two guys that closely identify with him. And I go back and say, go look at what they did in the playoffs. I think it's easy to yeah. get comfortable with a goalie because you're worried about what could be worse than what you have. But then – Again, I just contend what you have hasn't gotten you over the hump. Yeah, and I think that my thing with Anderson has always been that I think he's a really good goalie, but I also think that goalies and, and teams go together in certain ways. There's certain yeah. kinds of goalies that play better in front of certain kinds of teams. Behind, and I think I think Anderson's behind the wrong kind of team in Toronto. Could like be. I, that's not the spot for him, which is why he gets tired so much, which is why he does. He you know, can't play back-to-back, -back, even though he's – plays more games. He plays more games because they've had nobody else. I mean, that's the reality of the situation, right? Their backup goalies have been horrible. They've had to play them. I mean, back-to-backs, whatever, they're not playing back-to-backs. Sometimes I question like more of Toronto's thing about not him, whether he should play on the back, both games of back-to-back, but who they pick him to play in the back-to-back -back was always kind of like astonishing to me. Yeah. Um, you know, and because because Mike, didn't they have like a thing where they would always play the first game of a back-to-back? -back? Yes. Not the way. So you're yeah, not Right, because they figured their odds were better to get get two points when you had the fresher goalie and the fresher team, and then the backup would basically be cleaning up. That worked when they had McElhaney because McElhaney won the majority of his games when he had a when he had a below par backup like Garrett Sparks who couldn't stop a beach ball. Then that's right. that's when it hurt them. But so, Mike, did you hear two of the goalies that like Hockey Reference puts in line with with Anderson? No, I didn't. All right, Jonas Hiller and Evgeny Nabokov. And what my what my thing is with that is it's very easy to get comfortable with a goalie that is good and you like them. Sure. Then what you worry about that when you don't have them, but you're still not getting where you want to go. That's the problem. Right. And and, and I know guys didn't. Right. I mean Hiller Hiller had limited success with Anaheim's. He was there at the same time that Ander, Anderson was. So yeah. they chose Anderson over him. Yeah, I like this. Markov was in it forever and never could get. Far either. Didn't get San Jose over the hump ever. No, right. It was, I mean, he, he was a good goalie. Also. Everybody will say it. He, was a, he made me. He was unbelievable at times, and yeah. at other times, you know, he was, he was, he was streaky, very streaky. Kind of a mock of a little bit, Bobrovsky and him to me. Like, there's, yeah, I, I think, think so. I think they're kind of similar, where they both had that incredible side that they could make saves you just would not believe they could possibly make. Yeah, um, but then also give up like an easy like straight shot from the point. You know, like weird things like that. There was, you know, you, you catch up. Bardicus here <laughs> makes me sad as a Sens fan seeing Leonard and Bishop killing it everywhere, which is true. I can see that from Sens fans' perspective very much. So. Yeah, they had Bishop for about five seconds. Yeah, but they could have sure. kept him. You know, they could have kept him. Um, and they didn't. Yeah, so, all right, well, good show, guys. Um, always like talking talking goalies. <laughs> and um, and I won't get into that, Mike, Dave, because you've heard me say it so many times. But I'm going to for a second, just for a second. <laughs> oh, God. I have to. Doubling down for the weekend. Go ahead. Here's my thing about playing him the first game of every back-to-back, -back, regardless of who you're playing against. And like saying, okay, we have a better chance of winning the first game, so we're going to play our better goalie. And then, you know, the the concept, it's not just it's not just Toronto. It's every team's concept of like when to play the backup goalie. It used to be you play the backup goalie against the worst teams. That's what you used to do in the NHL. Blame, blame Mike Babcock. That was his plan. That's his change? I mean, everybody yeah. does in the NHL now. Because Jack, Jack Campbell has played – 
the first of back-to-backs since he was acquired. So it's only been, it was only a month before. Okay. So that's, I think you have to, I don't think it should be, I think it should be based on the, like to me, give yourself the best chance to win in every situation. And if you're, if you're a team that thinks you're a top team, like Toronto is at the point where they should be a top team, they should not be playing their backup against top teams. It's the second game is the tougher game. Babcock's philosophy is, was let's bank the two points that we should get with the first game with a, with a, with a fresher team with our number one goalie. And then we'll roll the dice on the set on the second one. It didn't work out because the backup goaltender usually was terrible. And you know, and once you wonder, you're tired. You when you have better deep, better goalie behind a tired defense than the other way around. Right, but then you're making your <laughs> his philosophy was you're making your starter work harder, and there's no guarantee that the rest of the team who is going to be tired in the second of back to back is going to be good enough to win the game. So I see the philosophy. I didn't agree with it. Yeah. It, it was unfair sometimes to that backup goaltender. I think Michael Hutchinson got hung out to dry a bunch of times. Yeah, he did. And, and that sucks because, and I mean, I'm not saying Hutchinson's a great goalie, but my gosh, you know, like that concept is so biz- such a bizarre way of doing it because what happens if you, if you don't get that win in the first of back to back games, you know, then you're coming in now having lost the first game and your second game, you're coming in now with a tired team and your worst goalie. That's fantastic. Every time, you know, like <laughs> there's no guarantee you're going to bank that game. I mean, that's like sure. ridiculous. And as well, again, Babcock's not there anymore. So there you have it. All right. <laughs> there you have it. Thanks guys. Great fun talk as always. Um, everybody have a safe weekend. We will be back again on Monday. Remember without the buzz, it is just hockey.